Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, we thank you. We bless and exhort your name. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. We just appreciate you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for the goodwill that you have towards mankind. Thank you for that which you've determined to do, God, in dispensing your love and your mind towards people that they might be dragged on back to you to receive the fullness of salvation. Thank you for releasing the Holy Spirit to accomplish this goal that you said because the foundation of the world. We bless and exalt your name, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we're going to start another series, a new series. We've ended up with the other one, Redeemed from the Foundation of the World. We want to uh, redeem long ago, that's what we said. This one is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We want to discuss the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, you see, everything about salvation is the Holy Spirit. Everything about salvation is the Holy Spirit. From A to Z, you check it, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate goal of salvation. Praise God. So I want us to take a look. I'm going to start a journey from the book of Genesis. But anyway, I just want us to look at, that's going to be our main text, John 1, 15 to 16. John chapter 1, 15 to 16. The Bible says, John bear witness of him, and Christ saying, this was he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now he's talking about Jesus, right? Praise the Lord. Good. Verse 16 says, And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. This is what we're actually going to be dealing with. And to cause you to understand that When you receive the Holy Spirit, there is so much embedded in the Spirit that you benefit from. Everything you can ever do about life or you will ever do in terms of what God enables you to do is from the grace which is the Spirit of God. Amen? Right. So, of His fullness, of this full supply of this Spirit, we receive grace for grace or anything we want to do. You know, Paul will say, I am what I am by what? The grace of God. That the supply of the grace is coming from the Spirit, which is Christ as well. So, we're going to make progress in this. But let me go back and define something for us from the book of Genesis 2 verse number 4. Genesis 2 verse number 4. And this is very important. The Bible says, these are the generation of the heavens and of the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So what I want you to see there is the word Lord God. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Praise the Lord. Now this name, as it was first mentioned here, Lord God. In Genesis 1, it is God. But when you come to this place, what you find is what? Lord God. It's a combination of the true name of God, which actually 
Can we look at Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6? The main significance of this word. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. What's the name? Look at it. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. What is it? Merciful and gracious, long suffering, and bodily goodness and truth. This is the true meaning of the word the Lord God. Is that okay? This is what it contains when you say the Lord God. You're talking about the mercies of God, the long suffering of God, the abundance of God, the goodness of God, the graces and the mercies of God. That's the Lord God. Amen? Praise the living God. Now, in, in the sacred writings of early times, the word Lord God is actually translated in respect to kind of reverence, you know, um, as it were. It conveyed a strong sense of nobility. When I use the word nobility, is in those days you have lords, right? Lords like the, the, the how do I describe it now? You know, have those that have servants under them, you know, lords, just like you have maybe pharaohs, you have kings, you have lords in the English, the Anglo-Saxon, or whatever the case may be. You have lords. Right. So, uh, when you check the word Lord, God, like it was written in the LA uh, writers, the A and S, Anglo-Saxon, and that word actually means bread. Bread. Sin. So, AS or Anglo-Saxon definition of the Lord God actually will not mean the supply of bread or loaf. This is very significant in relation to what we find to mean the true meaning of what Jesus was saying, I'm the bread of life. Did you get that? Good. So the word therefore implies the giver of bread. Is that okay? Right. The supplier of bread. He would dish out all the necessities of life or the necessary things about life, both physical and spiritual. That's what it stands for, the Lord God. So we're talking about the full supply of everything a man will ever need. Running down to your salvation and everything that will follow that which is your salvation is embedded in that name, the Lord God. Amen? Good. So, you see, like in English nobility or noblemen, uh, they were accustomed to keeping what I would call a continual open door. Open door in the sense that uh, anybody can come in and feed from their table. They were rich enough to make supplies to people. Right? Every strangers will come in. They have liberty to enter and eat as much as the world. And this noble had the honorable names to be called lords. They were lords because they have the, the, the potential to supply to meet the need of even those in the house and those who can come into the house. So they were called lords. And essentially, like I said, the word lord that means the dispenser of bread. So the attitude or the character of these people that they can make regular supplies and constant supply to people who can come their way makes it to be termed lords. 
You understand what I mean? Right. So when we're talking about the Lord God, we find that God is the good being, and the Lord is the dispenser of bread, and the giver of every good and perfect gift. The Bible says, remember that, Jews? Yeah. Every good and perfect gift coming from above, right? Very good. So that's describing the nature or the name the Lord God. God being a good man and dispensing every good gift that comes from him. Liberally afford the bread that perishes to every man you can give and the one that doesn't perish. Praise God somebody. So, it is in this sense that the word applies to our Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about the Lord God, we're talking about Jesus Christ in the sense of who he is. In fact, the scripture emphatically call him the bread of life. You remember that? Praise God. Amen? Look at John chapter 6 and verse 31. John 6 verse 31. Our father did eat manna in the wilderness as it is written. Remember that? Praise the Lord. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the true that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Verse 35 said, 33 rather, For the bread of God is he which coming down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Did you get that? Yeah. So you find that the Lord God that we're talking about in Genesis 2 4 is actually defining God, I mean, in relation to Christ, who is the bread giver, who is a life giver. All right, go to verse 48. Verse 48 simply said, John 6 48, I am what? The bread of life. Amen. Then 51, it says, I am the living bread. Which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Praise God. You you getting that? Good. So he said, He is the true bread. So in summary, you find that the Lord God is Christ, being the bread of life, which give life to everyone. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Right. So, out of that fullness of your supply, that's what we're dealing with. You can receive anything you are supposed to receive or anything that is due you as a believer. I'm trying to say the fullness of salvation is found in the Holy Spirit. Everything you want to think about is found in the Holy Spirit. And this chapter, this verse of scripture is what only defined for us who Jesus really was. The bread of life. He gives life, both physically, if you will, and spiritually. Praise God. Alright. So go with me to John 3, verse 32. John 3, 32. Glory. John 3, 32. And what he has seen and heard, that testify it, and no man receives his testimony. Verse 33 says, He that has received his testimony has said to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. 
Did you get this? Now I want you to connect this. The Lord given all the spirit by measure unto who? Unto Christ. So Christ had the fullness. I don't know if you're getting that. Of the spirit. I want you to pick that. Very important. Christ had the fullness of the spirit. Now don't forget where we're coming from. Of him have we received what? Grace for grace. So out of that full supply that was in his life, we are receiving grace to live. Now it's expected that you progress in what you receive or manifest. Because the truth is this, all of that which is called the Holy Spirit is resident in you already. You don't need more of it. It's already in you. <laughs> While Jesus was on the earth, he had the fullness of the Spirit. I don't know if getting that. Come on, did you speak what I said here? When he was a human being, he had the fullness of the Spirit. It was not in measure. So he walked in the fullness of the Spirit, yet he was a human being. And today, you don't need more of the Spirit. You have all of the Spirit. And that would be difficult for people to comprehend. All that is expected of you is to manifest a grace part time. I'll make you see that. This is what happens. Out of the abundance of the spirit that is in your life, if you meet somebody who is sick and you pray, the grace for healing comes out of the same spirit that is resident to you. If you meet a situation that requires wisdom, the grace of wisdom flows out of you to settle the dispute. Is anybody following what I'm saying? If you come to the place where faith is needed, out of the fullness of the spirit in you, faith is what is released. That's why I say grace for grace. Did you get that? So you don't need more of the Holy Spirit. You have all of the Holy Spirit. This will be difficult for men to comprehend. Jesus had all of the fullness of the spirit while he was living as what? As a human being. As you progress, you'll be able to see exactly how this thing works. Alright. So, here we find that God given all the spirit to him in measure. He is the most perfect of all teachers, if you want to think about that. The measure of the spirit that was in him was not compared to other teachers and prophets that even lived before him. It was without measure because he had no reference point as to a particular time, people, purpose, but rather for the whole compass of time through all eternity. When we say measure here, we are saying that it didn't begin from somewhere and end somewhere. It didn't start in one dispensation and going to end another dispensation. In other words, his wisdom, his understanding is from eternity to eternity. Are you there with me? Right. All by the Holy Spirit. He, he, he lived before time and he exists after time or beyond time. So, okay, let me give you a simple illustration now. Go with me to Hebrews 1 verse 1, Amplified Translation. Amplified Translation. Some of you should begin, uh, when we're through with this study, you'll be able to walk <laughs> in the Holy Spirit the way you ought to walk in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise God somebody. Uh, last last two weeks I was thinking seriously on something and the Lord just said as you read um, Zechariah 4 5 and 6 we talks about not by my number power by my spirit everything is by the spirit of God if you can understand it 
If you can key into that, it's by the Spirit of God. And we're going to see how the Spirit helps people to walk. How it helps people to live their life. The physical daily living is what I mean. Amen? And that's all because the Spirit is resident. You see, there's a big difference between what is happening right now to us and what happened at the time of the old. For instance, we were told that uh, the Spirit will come upon Samson. Remember that? And then his strength will come, do whatever he's going to do. The Spirit will lift again, right? But you see, the world is, the tabernacle of God is with man. In other words, man is the place where God is not fully what? Residing. So, it's not coming and going. No. He's just there. <laughs> you are a permanent resident for God by the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? Mm. Let me show you this before we come back here. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 2. Um, look at the last three verses for me there. Ephesians 2, last three verses. We just look at it. Praise the Lord. So that you will be able to see it. The Bible says, you are built upon the foundation of the apostle and prophet with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. Okay, just go if you want. And in him, the whole structure is joined, bound, wired together harmoniously, and it continues to rise, grow, increase into a holy temple in the Lord. A sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, sacred to the presence of who? Of the Lord. Did you get that? Praise the living God. In him and in fellowship with one another, ye yourself also are being built into what? This structure with the rest to form a fixed abode. That's what I want you to pick now. Dwelling place of who? Of God. By what? By and through what? The Spirit. A fixed abode. Permanent. So you are not a temporary structure for God. You are a permanent residential place for God. If people want to find the address of God, they should find Him in you. You are His location. I don't know if I get in there. If you want to locate me, you come to my house. Am I correct? Oh, come on. Get that. Is that true? Right. So if you are looking for God's address, where do you find Him? In his people. In his church. In his people. They are the fixed abode of God. Praise God somebody. Yes. So I want you to understand it. Because it's very very important. This is not the time. That the spirit was hovering over people. Doing the great stuff. And then goes on. Power comes in and go away. No. This is the time God has come to reside in your life. Now if God is in your life. What else are you looking for? You can only manifest him within your life. Are you with me? Praise God. So Hebrews 1, verse number 1. Amplify again. I'm sure the Bible says God did not give the spirit to him in measure. In other words, he was the only one that was inhabiting God in his fullness. Colossians even told us that. Is that okay? Colossians saying he dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead. You remember that? Good. That's exactly what I'm saying. The fullness of the Godhead was in Christ. So the Spirit was not in Him. In measure was the fullness. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were resident in Him as we were walking on the face of the earth. And you can carry that. 
And that's why the Bible says, even here we are made what complete. What's the completeness? Carrying the Father, Son, and what? Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You know, I said that sometime here. When you, when you sing and talk about Holy Spirit, do not pass me by. You don't understand what you're saying. You are just singing religiously. It's not passing by. He came to stay. It's not a visitor. He's not traveling around and hovering like the devil. I mean, to and fro, Holy Spirit, don't pass me by. No. You just recognize that it's right within you. And he walks out his life, live out his life through you. For whatever thing you need him for, you have the grace to do that because resident where in your life. Praise God. Okay. Hebrews 1 now. Look at this. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. And in different ways, God spoke of old to our fathers in and by what the prophet. In different ways. Different formats. Different dispensation. God was speaking and everything they were speaking was in part. The Lord was not the fullness of what God wanted. Is that okay? The prophecy of Isaiah was not the fullness of God. Everything was in portion given to them by the Spirit. That's to say they never had the Spirit in fullness. They will prophesy based on what God reveals to them per time. And when the Spirit is given to them, they prophesy along that line. So they brought forth up the hard truth, but a portion of the truth. But look at verse 4. I mean verse 2. Now he says, But in the last days, in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the person of his son, whom he had appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds, and the riches of space and the image of time, I mean ages of time, he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. Now the key point I want you to see here he is speaking through the sound in the last days. That's where there's no more dispensation in terms of what he's speaking that will finally come to be. I'll make you see when I get down to that point. Because you see, from every grace you are moving through, there is a greater glory. Is that okay? Going from the Old Testament, from Abraham down to the law, down to whatever the case may be, and then the dispensation of the church. There's a greater glory. That's why I say from grace to great. We are progressing. More of God's presence is being made manifest in His house. So, this is the last one. When you say the last of these days, speaking through the Son, actually means speaking through the Holy Spirit. Because the last age in which you want to call the last day has to do with the age of the Holy Spirit. There is no other age that comes out of going to come in for God to do something different. The only thing we are expecting to get into is the fullness of immortality. We are this age that we are in. So the Lord is speaking now, not in parts, but in fullness. He's giving a complete picture of what God has in mind. The whole truth is in Him. In fact, He said it's the truth. Truth and life came through Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Remember that? Right. Not some truth, not part of the truth, but the whole truth. 
Now what I'm saying is that Oh help me You have all of this Christ in you Therefore you are supposed to have All of this truth Resident within you The life Like I made them to understand the camp You see Sometimes we don't even know why we are believers Sometimes we don't even know why we We, we Let me use what we decided to become Christians But you see If you are a pastor and you can't let your people know by way of incentive, by way of encouragement, by way of motivation, what is expected of them, you are not doing the job. For instance, in Matthew 19, the disciples came to Jesus and said, you tell us, Peter was the one that was speaking. We have been following you. We have left everything. What is going to be our reward? Is that okay? Right. Nobody wants to do something without knowing why he's doing what he's doing. Nobody. So you are not just in church because you have to be in church. No, why are you in church? You should be able to know that. Praise God. Are you with me? Now Jesus didn't dodge the, the question. He explained to them precisely what shall be the... You see, when you go to work, why are you going to work? The incentive is your salary. Isn't it? Yeah. The incentive is your salary. That's your reward. That's your... Your, your paycheck. That's why you go to work. If there is no salary for you, you're not going to go to work. It's natural. Why are you in God? And somebody say, well, you know, as far as God is concerned, we don't expect anything. You're dodging the responsibility of a leader to tell the people the truth. Hallelujah. Are, are you know, are you following what I'm talking about? Jesus will tell you, even Paul will speak, any man follow me will never lose his reward. Did he say so? There is a reward for being a Christian. There's a reward why you are a believer. So you can't dodge that when people ask you such a question. And you can't be in church without knowing exactly where you are going to or what will be the end of the game that you are into. Amen? Praise God. Alright. So, here we go. Jesus had the fullness of the Spirit and so he is speaking by reason of the spirit, the fullness of the spirit, as compared, that's why I say it never received the spirit world in measure. But the prophet has it in measure. A time frame, time allocated, a portion here, a portion there. Any prophet arises, has a portion to declare. But Jesus is coming and declaring the fool. There is nothing else to be declared. Everything you need about God is in Christ. Amen. Praise God. So we can see here that the Holy Spirit in time past walks through different ways and manners and in specific seasons towards the unveiling of the infinite justice and mercies of God, even as enshrined in the law. And that's the simple truth there. Every one of them that was speaking, even the law of Moses, everything, there was one thing that would be pointed out, and that is the fact that the wages of sin is dead. That's a principal thing. That was there. Every form of punishment, I mean, for sin you commit, you have punishment for it, and so on and so forth, right? Good. And now man has so committed the sin in Adam, and then he's, he's due to be killed, or he has to be punished. So, all of this prophet were speaking in parts what God is going to do, what God is going to do, what he should do, as the case may be, right? But when Jesus came, what is the important message here? We find that he came to not only fulfill the demand of that justice and the mercy, he came to fulfill it completely. Right? Right. So, there is nothing else that either the law 
or part of the prophecies is still hanging on. That is not being fulfilled. As far as the issue of justice and mercy is concerned. All of them were declaring, if you do this, you will do this. If you do this, God will do this. If you do this, this is going to suffer. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled that. What is that supposed to mean? Everything that you, help me Lord. Everything that you were supposed to bear. Everything that you were supposed to carry in terms of the punishment, especially from the sins of Adam, what happened? He carried it on himself. So the justice was met. The mercy was released. Are you following what I'm saying here? Praise God. Alright. So we find even that the Jews, they observed the fact that the Holy Spirit was given in certain measures to prophets. The Jews didn't believe that the prophet had all things out of knowledge. No. They don't believe that. They never believed it for once. And that's the simple truth. Praise God. In fact, Second Peter, may touch it next time. Second Peter cited really clearly, clearly that even the prophet were peeping to know what salvation we're talking about. How many of you remember that? Angels and prophets were desiring to know. They never had a clue as to what we're talking about. You see, angels are, 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 I don't know where to put it now, but you see, they are amazed to see that you have been called a son of God. Why? Because they are ministering spirits. They can't imagine that a human being will become as God. It's strange to them. It's amazing to them. They are servants, but you are sons. I don't know if you're getting this. So for the, the man that was so, you know, condemned to death, was filthy, was nothing to write on about, all of a sudden, by reason of the sacrifice of Jesus, angels begin to see that that individual is taking their rightful place in the Father's house as heirs, yet they are servants. So it's amazing to them. So you see, the position you occupy as a child of God is by far higher than that of an angel. Angels are ministering spirit, and they are meant to minister to the heirs of salvation. Meaning, angels are supposed to attend to you. You don't see servants in the house having authority more than the sons. Every servant in the house serves not only the master, also what? The sons of the master. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? So angels are meant to serve you. You know, but unfortunately, you know that we have people that teaches how we need to worship some angels. You understand that? Right. You know, but angels are meant to assist us. Angels are meant to guide us. Even as sons. Angels are meant to stand the protecting, if you will, to ward off attacks. That is their responsibility. When you get yourself into a certain problem, you need to call them up. Hallelujah. Amen? Yeah, you call them up. Just tell them to come and do their job. Praise God. You know, you look at like in the, in the, in the, the natural, you see the, the president, even if the children are going out, you have orderlies that follows them, right? Good. And walk with them, protect them, military men, guns, you know, all over the place, walk, make sure they are safe, make sure they are protected. That's the way it is with God. So who are the people that are supposed to be protecting us and watching over us? The angels are supposed to do that. That's why when you go to sleep, you sleep calmly and peacefully. Why? Because you know that the angels are there watching over you. God will send them. Glory to God. You see what you say in the book of Psalm? That we send the angels and make sure you don't dust your feet on the floor. Remember that. Good. That's the responsibility of angels. So you don't have any cause to worship angels. Rather, they are supposed to serve you because you are here. And they are amazed that you are supposed not to be qualified. You are qualified by reason of the sacrifice of, of Jesus. Amen? Right. So by the coming of Christ now, the storm of the justice 
um, in requiring such a sacrifice and a multitude of mercies in providing it through the Holy Spirit, baptism shall now be made manifest to all the children of men. What I mean is, justice, yes, have been paid for by his sacrifice. Is that okay? Then the mercy that comes. Remember the name of God? We just read Exodus 35. Remember that? Good. Verse 5 and 6. Is that not true? Good. The Lord will pass by and show you my name. What's my name? Mercy, long suffering. Okay. Praise God. Fine. So now, all of those things, by reason of the Spirit, is available to, to the sons of men. Praise God. And this is done by the baptism of Jesus. When he's talking about baptizing the Holy Spirit, this is what you should be thinking about. You know, I suppose the baptism of John, but not John, we know has to do with what repentance. Is that okay? Yeah. The baptism of John was towards repentance. And that's where it ended. Repent from sins, whatever the case may be. Uh, I was speaking to someone recently. Why do you think Jesus had to go for water baptism? If it is for repentance. From sin. What was the sin that he committed? We know he was a spotless person. So why did he go for John baptism? And they couldn't answer the question. <laughs> because he was teaching on the issue of water baptism as the case may be. Is that okay? Right. But you see, Jesus had to go for water baptism. I've explained that here, I'm sure. Good. Went for water baptism because he was born under the law. Right? See, he has to repent of the law. Then the second thing, because he was a lamb of God, he has to be washed by the priests. Did you get that? Right. That's exactly what he was saying. Why he had to go with water baptism? Because he was born under the law, he was circumcised under the law. So, that's why I say let's fulfill all righteousness. What was righteousness? The righteousness of the law. Is that okay? Praise God. But you see, if water is what saved you, then Jesus was, what, that Jesus need to be saved. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I mean. Because we teach it to mean that is the beginning of your salvation. So now I mean Jesus was not saved. <laughs> so John saved him. <laughs> Praise God. You know what a confusion. You see, but now he talks about he will baptize you. Jesus said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Right. So when the Holy Spirit comes in to baptize you, what are we saying? He brings you to union to Christ. Every life that you are supposed to live, which is embedded in the Holy Spirit, released to you. That's the full baptism. When that happens, you receive everything that is God through the Holy Spirit. All resident in your life. Once you are baptized of the Holy Spirit, everything that is in the Holy Spirit is resident in you. Now it's left for you at any point in time to begin to release them grace by grace. You're progressing in them. So you see, you can come to the place of maybe healing people. You should grow. You should develop more. If that grace is flowing in your life, it could be more than other graces. Is that okay? Right. Now, if that is happening, you expect it to grow from a greater dimension, a higher dimension, from the level that it began. Because I'll make you see from Second Corinthians, the Bible talks about we moving from glory world to glory. Amen? Praise God. So, all of these things, children of men are now being set free by reason of the Holy Spirit, from the bondage and the corruption of Adam and the sin and all of those things, by the baptism of Jesus. In his church through the Holy Spirit. Now we realize that all of these things came into full manifestation on the day of Pentecost. 
Acts chapter 2 verse number 1. King James. Acts chapter 2 verse number 1 and 2. We'll read up to number 4. Hallelujah. Am I making sense to you? You just need to know why you are saved. <laughs> the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of what rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all what filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them what utterance. They were filled what the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now we always think that speaking in tongues is the evidence. Is that okay? But it's not just the only evidence. The true evidence of the Spirit is what you find in Galatians chapter 5. Love, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. Is that okay? That is the true evidence. You see, Paul was saying, if I have this people speaking tongues and I have no love, I'm out to nothing. Did he say so? Right. While it's important, yes, we speak in tongues, it helps you in prayers, you know, but that is not truly the evidence, as it were. Fully. Now, what happened here when the Bible said the Spirit sat upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit? You gotta understand that in the mountain, Mount Sinai, what essentially happened was when the fire came down, the glory came down, they were afraid. And what's the next thing that happened? They said, don't talk to us, talk to Moses. i let Moses talk to us. Remember that? Good. So here, what really happened, and that means because God didn't help me now. God did not speak to them. They never had the law written in their heart. The law was still external. Is that okay? Right. And because the law was external, there was no way they can obey the law. The power to obey the law was not embedded in them because they told God, don't talk to us, talk to Moses. And Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and their word, they are life. So there's no way the children of Israel could obey the law because it was not written where? In their heart. And so what's the next thing that God said? In Hebrews chapter 8, tells us the same thing. I'm going to write my laws where? In their hearts. And take away this, the heart of stone and give it what? The heart of flesh. So this is what just happened here. When the Holy Spirit sat upon them, He made them to come to the place that they can be able to obey God without external persuasion. This is the primary essence of the Holy Spirit. So, to define that a man is filled with the Holy Spirit is a man that walks in obedience to the laws of God, which is the law of the Spirit of Christ, a life Jesus. Is that okay? Right. This is the primary evidence to bring us to the place of walking in obedience to the commandment of God, to the instructions of God. Now we can be able to do that without struggling, without trying to keep a set of rules like the Old Testament. Are you getting that? Praise God. So this is what it is. So if you are actually walking, living as a Christian, and you are in a state where you feel you have to be pushed, you have to be persuaded, you have to be prompted to do some stuff, you are still living as Old Testament believer. You are not living as a New Testament believer. What God demands of you today is obedience to the Holy Spirit. You can keep all of those laws, if I may use it in quote, in, in a way, just because you have what? The Holy Spirit. 
Are you still with me? Praise the living God. So anytime the Lord speaks a word to you, giving you a direction, it is because you have the ability within you to be able to obey it, which is the Holy Spirit. There is no law that God gives to you today that you can't obey because you have the equipping, which is the Holy Spirit. Are you there with me? Praise God. Amen? Okay. So, again we go to the book of First John. I mean John chapter 1 now. Let's begin to round up here now for today. John chapter 1, 15. John bear witness of him and Christ saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received and what? Grace for gifts. Hallelujah. Praise God. Out of the multitude of this grace in his life, we begin to receive it. Amen? So when the Holy Spirit comes, you have all of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then the next thing is grace dispense. Truth is coming out of you. Love is coming out of you. Righteousness is coming out of you. Wisdom is coming out of you. The mystery of heaven is revealed to you. It's not hidden anymore. You know exactly who you are. You know who God is. You have a personal relationship with God. You know exactly how everything is going to end. Grace for grace. Praise God somebody. Are we here? Right. So, all of the basic of eternal truths, they are being taught by the Spirit. And so we have received all of the same Spirit, grace for grace. First of all, we are received the grace for sins forgiven. And they're like the apostles, they receive the grace to be able to teach, to write the epistles. Are you following that now? Right. Write the epistles, write the letters, and speak about the truth therein. All of those things that the apostle did was by the grace the God from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise the living God. They're so written through that grace in such a way that by the time you believe what you're saying, what's the next thing that happens to you? You have salvation. The Holy Spirit comes to you via their own works, by their own writings, by their own teachings. And all of this is coming by what? The Holy Spirit. Grace for grace. Right? Hallelujah. Good. And for them also, they're going to receive the grace, or grace upon grace, to become a source not only for themselves, but others as well. Till all men are filled with all of the fullness of God. Praise God. Are you still following me? Right. Let me read this to you. In terms of the economy of God, what we call the dispensation of God, we have this picture of the mercy, if I may use the word, and truth, a design to make way for and to follow by another greater grace. So, the law succeeded the patriarchal dispensation. You know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that was the dispensation. When the Lord came, the law superseded that dispensation. Are you following what I'm saying here? Good. And more and more of the masses of the grace of God, the gospel become daily manifested to journey followers of Christ. And to those who are faithful unto death, heaven as it were, is full of eternal glory, will soon succeed the grace of the gospel. Right? So then, we expect a greater glory above this gospel age that leads to immortality 
and that eternal bliss as it was in Eden that no man can take away from you. Follow this. In God's mercy, even in Eden, when Adam sinned, it was by his mercy that he clothed him with animal skin. You remember that? Good. He clothed him with animal skin. That was mercy being revealed to Adam. Okay? Then he came to the era of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For instance, Abraham was an idol worshiper with his father, Terah. But by the mercies of God, he pulled him out. And he promised him multitude of people, a father of many nations. Remember that? Good. Now men begin to walk in the way that Abraham was walking. He was not a light in his age, in his generation, in that dispensation. That will come to the time of Moses. This another dispensation. Give the law. Men were not living by the law. The law of Moses. Are you getting that? It is still God's grace being revealed in the way of redeeming man back to himself. So we follow the age of the law until Jesus was born. Now, for the three and a half years that Jesus was born, they were still in the age of the law. Is that okay? Even after his death, we're still in the age of the law. Even when Pentecost has finally come, we're still in the age of the law. Why? Because you find that when Pentecost have come, the disciples were still going to the temple. That's why Peter was about to get lame and healed. Is that okay? And the Bible tells us, as long as the tabernacle was yet standing, no man can see God. That means the fullness of Pentecost was manifested in AD 70 when the temple was well destroyed. Until that was done, everything was still in the Old Testament. So, the Old Testament did not end until after about 40 years when the Holy Ghost had been poured out. Did you get this now? So now, we are in the age of the Holy Spirit. And the fullness of that which is the Holy Spirit now, dispensing the age of the gospel, that's what I mean. We come into the place where there will be full revelation of the manifestation of that which is contained in the gospel, which is immortality, a glorious age, higher, better than the age we are experiencing. Praise God somebody. So, that's why you have the three feasts in Israel. You have the Passover feast, you have the uh, Pentecost, so you have the tabernacle. These are the three feasts in Israel. So it's from one age to another age. From one dispensation to another dispensation. From grace to grace. Hallelujah. But all of that has been done by what? The Holy Spirit. When we come down, we'll be able to show you how that on your personal level, there are things that the Holy Spirit is releasing to you today that you don't seem to understand. But by the time you begin to follow what I'm going to be teaching here, you come to the place where you become a giant in the spirit all by yourself. Because at any point in time when situation arises, you will know what to do. Praise God somebody. Is there a crime for somebody outside? You speak to the man that is inside. You understand what I mean? That's why you see the disciples that were about to perish, all they needed to do was to do what? Wake up Jesus. He was with them. In fact, scripture said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the word of God. I will never leave you nor what? Forsake you. So no matter your situation or circumstance, the Lord is with you. By reason of the Holy Spirit, you are a permanent structure, a fixed abode. That's why we read the book of Ephesians. Remember that? Good. He can't leave you. It is his determination to be resident in your life 
perpetually. You got to recognize that. So that when you're walking in the street, knowing for sure you are not alone. The Lord is with you. Praise God, somebody. All right. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David.